Maturity is many things. It is the ability to base a judgment on the big picture, the long haul. Welcome back. This is part four in our series of dominating your neighborhood as a real estate agent, your geographical farm area. This is episode 10 of the How to Real Estate podcast. We are your hosts, Kyle Lindsay and myself, Jeremy Smith. Kyle, good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon. Yeah, we just had a fantastic coaching call with our coach, Bill Pipes. And man, I am pumped to get working on my sphere and things like that. But we're not here to talk about that today. Yeah, we are bringing the energy. Yes. All right. The energy is is here. The energy is in the room. And the reality is, is that, you know, 60,000 agents have gotten out of the business. They're expecting 30% of the current agent population to be out of the business in the next couple of years. And probably that's conservative in my mind. That's, I mean, kind of typical, right? 87% fail in the first right. five years. So I think that it may be even more than that 30% they're projecting because things are getting tough. Well, man, think about that. So the 87% fail out in normal years. I'm wondering how many of those agents that are less than two years in the business will not renew their license. Don't even get past the first renewal. I, yeah. I'm going to guess it's going to be in the high 90s for that group mm-hmm. that joined in 2021 when things were easy. By the end of 2023, maybe 2024, I'm thinking there's going to be, and this is a complete guess. There's no stats on this yet. I'm thinking it's going to be 95% or more of those agents are not going to be in the business anymore. You're probably right, man. You're probably absolutely right. And we're seeing the writing on the wall. And this mm-hmm. is uh, you know, leading us to really educating folks on the importance of a farm area. Yes. Right. And we're seeing agents right now, which I consider to be the kiss of death, is when they're a full-time agent and then they go get a side gig. Mm-hmm. Right. I think that's the kiss of death. It's hard enough to go from a part-time agent with a full-time job to a full-time real estate agent. But when you now split your attention from full-time real estate and you add another thing mm-hmm. in the way, like the mindset there, I just have not seen anybody overcome that. No, and honestly, it's it's giving up. When you, in a, I'm not saying if you are in dire need and you had to pay your bills not to do something, but like you said, normally it's not, it's a mindset thing. And once you take that first step out of real estate and you see that you can make money somewhere else, even if it's not as good of money as you could make in real estate, it it becomes that that crutch and that excuse to get out of real estate altogether. And I, I'm with you. And every time I see that happen, it's almost always going to gonna turn into just leaving the business for good. Yeah. And I hate to see it, man, because it happens to a lot of good people. But I will say this, too, that I think it is completely doable to come back. Yes. Like, if you really had the drive and you wanted it that bad, but you just needed something to bridge a, a short-term, you know, need, mm-hmm. absolutely you could do it. You know, you just have to focus more, you know. It's just like him, you know, I always give this example in basketball. I'm not a tall guy. I'm five foot seven, right? So if I, and there are five foot seven athletes who have been able to slam dunk basketballs, right? <laughs> right. I was never that guy, right? But I, I wanted to, when I was a kid, I wanted to, to slam dunk and it's not fair, but it's just life. Like I have to work harder to slam dunk a basketball than somebody mm-hmm. who's six foot five. Right. It just is what it is, right? Mm-hmm. So if you have a part-time gig or you go get part-time work while you're in real estate, like you just have to work harder than the folks that are already Mm full-time, right? So can it be done? Yes. Just you just got to get after it and be very, very focused and determined. Well, and along those lines, what we've been talking about the last couple episodes is really creating a repeatable, predictable business. 
starting and, and maintaining and growing a neighborhood farm is going to be a lot of hard work up front. But if you have the right mindset to stick with it and be consistent, it becomes fun and easy to predictably get the business that you want if you're doing it right. Yeah, certainly. And that's why I kind of wanted to start this off with that quote, mm-hmm. right? Is like, it's a long haul, mm-hmm. right? This is a, it's a marathon. And there's another quote that I love. It says, don't sacrifice what you want now for what you want most. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it, this requires being a little bit uncomfortable. It requires having some faith that the shit's going to work out. Right. Mm-hmm. You're not going to see immediate results. But if mm-hmm. you're consistent and you do this over the long haul, you will see results. And here in part four, where we're going to wrap this series up, you guys, we're going to talk about direct mailers. We're going to talk about circle prospecting. You may or may not have heard of that. And we're also going to summarize the last three, including this one, four. So we're going to summarize all the things that we have recommended that you do and just kind of give you a quick overview of what you need to do, what you should be implementing right away to yeah. get started on dominating your neighborhood. Yeah, give you more of that, that, that process. What order would we do it in kind of thing? Yeah, absolutely. So let's get into direct mail. So when should somebody start direct mail? You'll hear agents talk about doing direct mail a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm going to send out mailers. And I, I see a lot of folks do it wrong. I will say that if you're going to send direct mailers and you do it once, you're wasting your money. Mm-hmm. Um, but at what point should somebody start implementing direct mailers into their marketing campaign for their farm? So my thought on this is you should only really start direct mail um, for a farm area once you have started getting transactions in that farm area. Basically, if when you think about like setting up a budget in your real estate business, your farm area almost has its own subset of that budget. And so transactions in that farm area should be paying for, you know, maybe not in the beginning, but eventually they pay for the events, they pay for the marketing in that neighborhood, the direct mail. So I would not recommend starting it until you have some business to pay for that direct mail. Yeah. Because like Jeremy said, you need to be consistent in direct mail. You cannot just send once and expect results. Could it happen? Yes. Are you going to get inundated with stories of people that it worked for? Of course. Will it happen for you? Probably not. So you're going to need to send six to 12 months minimum to really see some traction from your direct mail. Um, You might happen quicker if you're doing all the other stuff we talk about, but until you have something else to pay for that, these other things that we've already talked about or we're going to talk about are just so much more effective and cheaper to do. Certainly. And I, and I like that because I do feel like you should plan for the worst and, mm-hmm. and hope for the best, yes. right? So if you do send one mailer out and you get some business off of that, that that's the best, right? Mm-hmm. That's great, but don't plan for that because it is very, very rare. And when you get your budget, right, pick a number of homes in that farm area that the budget will fit, right? Mm-hmm. It, it may not be the whole neighborhood, right? Right. It, it may not be the whole neighborhood. It may just be a certain number of homes. Let's say the neighborhood has a thousand homes and your budget is is maybe going to be able to facilitate three or four hundred mailers mm-hmm. per month. Right. Because, again, consistency. Right. You've right. got to be doing this at least one time a month. You know, if you could do it twice a month or once a week, even better. Right. But right. again, that requires more finances. So until you get there, um, what are some ways that folks can tap into to get the information that they need to figure out who to send these mailers to? So the two easiest really are one is reach out to your title companies. They have a lot of this information on hand that they can filter down for you and give it to you. But if you're like me and you like to do it yourself, um, Remind inside the MLS for us is an excellent way to really filter this down yourself. So 
when I'm thinking about this, there's two main levers that I like to use to filter with or data information. So first, or three really. So the first one is uh, time owned the home. So how long have they lived there? And obviously you don't want to target someone who just moved in six months ago. Right. Um, they are very unlikely to want to sell already. Could it happen? Sure. But yeah, let's not target them until you have a much bigger budget. I would say you start with at least two years or more time in the home. The second thing is mortgage age. So if someone has been in the home, let's say 10 years, but they just refinanced, they're probably less likely to want to move. Yeah. So once again, two plus years on your, on your mortgage age and two plus years on your time in the home, ideally those two would match up and they've never refinanced. They're much more likely to move after five, six, seven years. Now, uh, the third thing would be you want to target homeowners. Now, maybe later you can implement a strategy to the investors in your neighborhood who own rentals and don't, don't live there. But right now we want to target the homeowners because they're the ones going to be coming to your events. They're the ones that might come to your open houses. So target them. And those two alone should hopefully get you where you're into your budget. Now, if you're not under your budget with just those two, increase the numbers. Yeah. So instead of two years, use three and then four until you get under your budget. And eventually you'll get there maybe six, seven, eight years, depending on your budget. But that should hopefully get you where you need to go. Yeah, well, I love that. That's such good info. And I want to add to it too. Like by the time you get to the point where your budget is going to facilitate mailers, and you've been following what we've been telling you, there's door knocking that you've been doing, mm-hmm. right? So you've met a bunch of people, right? And so by, and maybe you're, you've done your events and you're, mm-hmm. you're friending people on Facebook. And I would also encourage you to send mailers to them, right? Yes. Because you're now creating more brand awareness mm-hmm. with that, right? You, you have an opportunity to send to them. They may be somebody who just barely moved in, right? It, it could be, and that's a long play, right? right? But create that brand awareness because remember this is relationship business. Right. So you're Mm -hmm. just strengthening those relationships. Yeah. And that's not to overlook the chance for referrals. Like you may or may not want them to sell their house immediately. They just moved in, but they know people. Yep. A hundred percent, but just be strategic, right? Don't send it to somebody who's, you know, six months in the house that you've never spoken to. Right. Right. But if you've spoken to them, had a meaningful conversation and they're in your database, cool. That would make Mm -hmm. sense. Right. That would definitely make sense to send to them. And now as you're thinking about, should I send mailers and what, occasions would cause me to send mailers, I would caution um, y'all to not send just random things, right? right? We see a lot of, you know, one-offs like, hey, here's recipes or here's, um, you know, helpful tips, which helpful tips are good. I don't don't really, unless you really have brand awareness in your Mm -hmm. farm area, I don't really see the the benefit to the recipes thing. And I could be wrong, but that's just from my experience. But I would recommend anytime a home is just listed, Mm -hmm. you can send a mailer for that. You put a homeowner contract, you can send a mailer for that. If you want to do a, a quick up market update on paper, you can send a mailer for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then anything that is branding your company, mm-hmm. right? Let's say you have, like, for instance, we do a one-day listing guarantee. Right. Right. It would be wise for us to send out mailers talking about our one-day listing guarantee, mm-hmm. right? So when people are, you know, thinking, hey, it's time to sell. Hey, you remember that one guy that we got the mailer and had a one-day listing guarantee? Let's learn more about that. Right. Right. Just putting, planting those seeds in their mind, any other reasons somebody could send out mailers? I think the only thing to add to that is really events. If you're hosting the events in the neighborhood, send out mailers about it. Um, If that's in your budget for the event, send send them out to remind people and again, rebrand yourself. Yeah, just to expand on the one day listing guarantee thing, that's a unique value proposition. Right. What you might have a different unique value proposition that you might want to make sure everyone knows about. Just blast them about that. that. That's something you could post on social, but something great to reinforce 
And then any local events, maybe. And then the last thing is to get creative is maybe partnering with local businesses mm. where you can offer coupons, discounts, partner with them on events, things like that, and maybe get some of those mailers paid for. That could be a way to help expand your budget. So now you can only do, instead of doing 250 mailers, now you might be able to do 500. I like it. Yeah. Or so, if you did 250, twice a month. Right. There you right. go. Yeah. There, I mean, there's all kinds of ways to do that. There's something else that I was thinking about too, man. I had it on my brain and I totally <laughs> forgot it. So it, it was good, but uh, it is gone. Oh, I got it. So he's back. I'm back. <laughs> back again. Um, we're doing an adopt a buyer program in our farm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. So every time a home closes, you know, we're recording the data, we're getting the new owner's information, and they're getting mailers. Now, these are separate from everybody else. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think it's maybe like four or five people a month, right, mm -hmm. are getting this mailer until this, until we get more data, and then it's going to be probably, you know, right. more. But this, it's all helpful stuff. Like, hey, here's the contact information for your HOA. Mm -hmm. If you need a pool key, this is where you go. Here's your uh, your trash pickup days. Here's your bulk pickup days. Here's mm -hmm. the information for the water company. Like, mm -hmm. just information that we see requested a lot on the Facebook page in the neighborhood. Yeah, we're we're putting that on postcards and we're sending them once a month. Right, they're getting helpful information. That's Mailer's uh, 201, more of the advanced class right there. Right. Yeah, just, just you guys stick around. Make Specialized sure you subscribe. targeting. <laughs> yeah, make sure you guys subscribe yeah. to the podcast and share it with your folks, you guys. If you got a team or you have other agents you care about, you want them to do well, share this podcast because we are going to be sharing a lot more in-depth, much more tactical, pinpoint mm -hmm. accuracy stuff. Yes. So we talked about mailers, and now we got to go over circle prospecting. Yes. So what in the world is circle prospecting? Now, circle prospecting is choosing, well, really it comes from the, the term of, of finding a house that you probably have under contract or open house, or you listed, you draw a circle around it, and you contact all the homes within that circle. Gotcha. Now, ideally, I probably never actually draw a circle. I pick a street usually or two streets or whatever, and I try to find all the information on their street. So the idea is, is when you have something going on in the neighborhood – um, with a particular home, you're contacting the closest neighbors, top 50, 100, 200 people, and you're calling them. Right. Typically, when you were talking circle prospecting, we're talking phone calls. Right. Uh, just like we were talking about getting data for, for mailers, you can find the data for the phone calls the same way. Right. Remind and your title company. Exactly. And so, there's there's companies that provide dialing services too. Yes. Right. Multi-line dialers, if that is in your budget, you guys. You right. can do this all the regular phone call dial way, mm -hmm. right? You can download these CSV files. You can upload them into your CRM. You can dial that way if your CRM does phone calls. You can use Mojo Dialer, who right. we use, Red X, Vulcan 7. There's a company out there called Coal Directory or Coal Resource mm -hmm. Directory. Um, you can get information from that. We've had lenders and title companies provide that access for mm -hmm. us where you can just you know, map around a certain area and get all the contact information. And the important thing is when you're doing the circle prospecting, just think about it like you're thinking about your mailers. Right. All right why are you calling them? Like yes. what information are you trying to convey? And what's the desired result, mm -hmm. right? You want them to maybe give you an email address if you don't have one, right? right? Or maybe you just want to make a, a contact that's warm mm -hmm. and not ask for anything, right? Hey, I'm just letting you know, you know, this is happening. Want to invite you to our event. Want to invite you to our open house. Well, remember, this is your farm area, right? So people talk, neighbors talk. So how you handle yourself on that phone call could make or break your reputation in the neighborhood. Right. So be careful, you know, I know if you guys have had sales training or we train our agents and our ISAs is, hey, like, don't 
cave in on the first objection, right? Right. If you're not handling three or four objections on your phone call, then you're really not trying, right? right. I would say the opposite of that in your farm area, right? For the most part, like you don't want to really push too hard there, right? You're not trying to be known as the high pressure salesperson. You're trying to be known as the go-to person that's trusted and liked by everybody, right? Right. So just, I guess, tread lightly there. Yeah, and I think there's a there's a difference there. Um, and thank you for bringing that up between a sales call and, you know, think of it this way: a service call versus a sales call. You're providing a service, or are you doing a sales call? Now, a service call can turn into a sales call. So if someone is a you're making your you're you're doing the circle prospecting. You're inviting people to open houses, right? You're not selling them anything. You're inviting them to something, right? And it should be a different tone. It should be friendlier, the whole nine yards. But as soon as they start talking about, well, I've been thinking about listing my house, things like that, it might turn into a sales call. Certainly. And then you might start handling objections. Now we're not saying again, in no shape or form should you ever become a, an aggressive a hole on the phone, even when your sales calls. Like when we say handle objections, we're not talking about running people over, we're talking about doing this the right way. Right, yeah. Provide value, understand their objections, their fears, help them through that, help them get them to a decision point. Um, that's a completely different podcast. But, you know, we talked a little bit about about sales skills, things like that in a previous episode, so go look that up. But um, when you're doing this, Jeremy's 100% right. You need to think long-term about how you are presenting yourself on those sales calls or, sorry, those phone calls for the circle prospecting. right. And making sure you're delivering value. You're always delivering value to your farm. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And I like to think about it like if that call was recorded and it was played on the Facebook page yes. for, for everybody to hear, mm. like would it represent you well? Right. Right. So so be careful, you know. Because it might be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And your conversation at the door maybe too. Right. You know, so always just be on point. Yes. You know, be on point, be, be professional, be courteous and remember this is a long-term play. Yes. Right. You may not make the connection on the first interaction. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I've told this story on the podcast yet, but there was a time when I was door knocking in this neighborhood where it is now our farm area. And I know you've heard this story before, Kyle. <laughs> um, so I was door knocking in this neighborhood, and and what I had done is I created a market update on a postcard, and I was just passing it around. And I would knock on the doors, but the doors that had no soliciting sign, I wouldn't knock on them, but I would leave the flyer there. Right. So, and there's some debate on whether that's right or wrong. Is it soliciting? Is it not? Mm-hmm. You know, I, it kind of is, right? So I, after this event, I stopped doing that because of what happened. So mm-hmm. I'm door knocking, I'm doing this, I, I get home and I've got a voicemail on my phone and I'm pumped. I'm thinking that this is going to be <laughs> a listing like this happened already oh man my my efforts have paid off mm-hmm. this is easy so i'm pumped i get into the house i pull up the voicemail i start listening to it and immediately my bubble was popped man <laughs> this lady was on the other side of the phone just reaming me out on my voicemail <laughs> you left your shit on my door and i have a no soliciting sign don't ever leave your mm. trash on my door again man she's just going in on me yeah and i feel horrible you know for one i, I didn't want that interaction i didn't want to get that voicemail i thought it was going to be something good yeah right and i didn't want to create that sort of energy in the neighborhood mm. right so now i'm like oh i'm kind of scared of what this lady's going to do right? right so i call her back and she never answered and I just left her an apology voicemail, you know, mm-hmm. and, and kind of made sure that I knew where she lived and took her off my door knock list and mm-hmm. every other list I had. Um, 
but I think that she was still getting mailers. I think she was. I think she right. was still getting mailers. Um, so two years later, um, I got a phone call and it was like, hey, I'm, I need to sell my home. Can you come over and, and talk to me about selling the home? So I'm like, yeah, sure. So I got the lady's information and her address. And when I looked it up, sure enough, it was the <laughs> same lady who had cussed me out two years yeah. prior. Right. So it, it, I, I tell that story because I want folks to know that it, just because you have a negative interaction doesn't mean it's never going to result in business. Right. Really, It really depends on how you handle it. Mm-hmm. And also that you just don't know where people are at in their life. When I did go over there and meet with her um, through conversation, it came to be that she was actually grieving the loss of her father. Mm. She had just lost her dad, you know, and and she was in, in the backyard gardening and she was trying to get some solace. And I was just that straw that broke the camel's back, right. you know, and because she didn't know who I was, it was much safer for her to take her anger out on me mm-hmm. than somebody who she loves, right? right? So, you know, everything happens for a reason. I'm glad that I was there on that day. You know, mm-hmm. maybe that's what she needed to get that emotion out at the time, taught me a good lesson, you know, mm-hmm. in humility and understanding that it's not always going to work. But, you know, I learned another lesson two years later when she called me, mm-hmm. right? It's like, hey, just handle things professionally, you know, always take the high road and, uh, and don't ever burn the bridge. Yeah. Don't burn the bridge. No, that's, that's, a, that's such a cool story. And I, you know, I've heard it before, but it, it just always reminds me that, you know, consistency and staying true to your brand, like you, if, if you had been having an equally bad day as she had, and that had happened to you and you had responded in kind. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, you would have lost that transaction, but yeah, you're right. It could have been much worse. What for if sure. she had blasted that to the neighborhood? For sure. Yeah. And all of a sudden, all your efforts in the farm area are for nothing and you have to recover, which could take six, nine, 12 months. Who knows? Yeah. But handling it professionally, staying true to your brand, and then being consistent with the mailers, even if you weren't aware you were still mailing to her. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it gave her time to calm down and just see like, oh, this is this is Jeremy and he's yeah. our neighborhood realtor. And Yeah. Um, it was, it's such a cool story to hear that, that, you know, just because someone's an a-hole to you doesn't mean like you should take that personally. For sure. You just never know where you're right. meeting them, man. And she became friends of mine on Facebook mm-hmm. and she's referred me business. Right. We've never talked about that interaction. <laughs> <laughs> I did not bring it up. I was in her house. I was like, this is that lady, you know, That's I, so funny. I never brought it up, man, but she's a sweetheart. Like yeah. she's such a sweetheart, mm-hmm. man. And and that was just proof though, like I've grieved the loss of a loved one and mm. that was just tough for her. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And we all grieve differently and, you know, God puts us in people's lives at a moment in time for a reason, mm-hmm. you know? So I don't know what that reason was, but it worked out well for her and I, mm-hmm. you know, as far as a, building a relationship and um, learning lessons. So yeah, mm. just a cool story for you guys. Yeah. Have, be inspired and go out there and door knock. Excellent. So we've covered direct mail, circle prospecting. A little bit of mindset stuff. Now we want to talk about we want to talk about the process to get started. So, kind of wrapping all of this up in a nice little ball. What do you need to do to get started? Actually, here, what should be the what should be the first step? Yeah. So, a first step is just make the decision and commit. Right. Commit to doing this and understanding that it's going to be a process. Mm-hmm. Right. You're probably not going to get business for the first few months from right. this. Right. But commit to it. Stick to the process detached from the outcome and the first action steps you need to take after you have your mind in the right place is I would say starting with your market update and interacting with folks on social media on the neighborhood Facebook page. Yes. Yeah. That's such an easy first step to do. That really shouldn't take you more than 
15, 20 minutes once a week. Right. I yeah. mean, if that. Yeah. Once you get good at it, you can probably do it in about five to 10. Yeah. Create a template. Yeah. You know, create your template, save it on your computer. Mm-hmm. You know, just copy, paste, fill in the numbers that you need to fill in, you know, your monthly or weekly update numbers. Right. And engage in other people's postings. Right. You know what I'm saying? People are going to post up on there. Engage. Be yourself. Mm-hmm. Be funny. You know, make people laugh. Make jokes. Put right. in gifts. Like, get to know people and friend them, too. Like, yeah. send friends requests to people because you have to think of social media as a database. Yes. Right? It's used as a database mm-hmm. by Facebook, right? Many businesses mm-hmm. use it as a database. Like, be smart. Use it as a database. So, friend people on there. Post your market update videos and post. Do it consistently. And then give any other form of value that you can give on there. Yes. I mean, neighborhood events, com- community, citywide events, just post in there about those things, provide value. Um, a few other, uh, you know, and, and use, and here's a little, take a step back, actually be yourself and, and utilize your talents. Yeah. So if you love gardening, give gardening tips. Yep. If you love DIY projects, talk about that in your neighborhood group, offer to help your neighbors, Yeah. all that kind of stuff. Um, if you're in a photography, again, like post about that stuff in the group and, and let them actually connect with you. Um, another, a few other quick tips about this is one, be sure you hit the bell or get like notify icon inside the Facebook group. So you get notified when people post in that group. Yeah. Cause that's your, if that's going to be your farm area, you want to be on top of all those posts and be seen, be social and provide value in that group whenever you can, especially when people, I mean, our neighborhood farm area group they're always asking about contractors. And when you can be one of the first people to provide like contractors be seen doing that consistently, yeah, it provides a lot of value. And last, last little tip here is if you're not utilizing Facebook lists, Google that and figure out how to do that. And then add any friends from your farm area onto a certain particular list. So that way maybe you are posting inside the group, but that's way you can also post to them outside the group on your main newsfeed and target them with the list or just view their posts in your newsfeed because you filtered it using your list. Anyway, those are a little bit deeper hacks there, but something that could be very valuable as you grow your farm and you make more connections inside that group. Yeah. All good stuff, man. And look for, and just look for so many ways to provide yes. value. There's a ton. One thing that I've always liked is when people provide like discount codes for things. Yes. Hey, here's coupons for this, or this, mm-hmm. put this stuff is on sale over here. That's, that's relatable. Like if you live mm-hmm. in a fam in a family oriented neighborhood where there's a lot of kids, like, if you know that there's a sale going on somewhere on with clothes or mm-hmm. shoes, especially when school's coming up, right? man, what better way to connect with people than to help them save money? Mm-hmm. Right? They, they love that. Love it. The next thing that you should start to do after you are on social media and leveraging that is look for opportunities to do open houses yes. in the neighborhood. It doesn't have to be your listing. Like as long as it's another broker's listing mm-hmm. or another agent at your brokerage, um, do open houses. Yeah. Yeah. The more people, I mean, see your signs and see you active doing real estate in your neighborhood, the less you have to talk about it because they just see you doing it. Right. So you can be on the group, you can provide your weekly market update and the rest of the time you can just be providing value and interacting with people. And then on the weekend or whenever you do your open house, boom, open house, you can post about it, go live. They see your signs everywhere. And the more they see that, the more they think you are the real estate agent in the area. Absolutely. And then the door knocking is mm-hmm. like a, was a, a, a reason to do door knocking right. from the open house. Yes. Right now you can go out and invite neighbors. There's a technique people call like the 10, 20, 10, I think is what it's mm-hmm. called. Like you knock 10 doors to the left, 20 doors across the street, 10 doors to the right of the right. house. Right. So mm-hmm. you do like a circle or a square. Actually, it's a rectangle. 
<laughs> so <laughs> you do that shape, right? Right. right. <laughs> and and you just go meet people, right? right? It's an opportunity to go out there and meet people. And if you've listened mm-hmm. to our door knocking script, um, it's very effective, right? Mm-hmm. For not just making connections with people, but actually also getting their contact information, right? Adding them to your database, tagging them with the name of your your farm, and then when you send mailers out, they're getting those mailers. When you're sending emails out, your monthly market update, mm-hmm. they're getting that, and they're seeing you on the Facebook page, they're seeing you yeah. in open houses. Man, it, it only gets good from there. So what are some other reasons somebody could door knock real quick? So, you know, you don't necessarily need the open house, like you're saying, to go door knocking. You could also um, promote your other events. You could also look at what's for, even if they're not your sales, what's just listed, what's active right now. Do quick little market updates, just solds. Um, there's a lot of different reasons why you could door knock or circle prospect. Think of them in the same, you know, vein. Your circle prospecting could be door knocking as you're going on that circle. But your phone calls, your door knocking, they can all be tied back to these events or other activities or actions in the neighborhood, like the for sales, the just listed, just sold, all that stuff can all be, be useful reasons for door knocking. Absolutely. Delivering information. Yes. Right? Delivering value. Love it. So after you've done your Facebook posts consistently, now mm-hmm. you're adding open houses to this repertoire, you're doing door knocking in the neighborhood, mm-hmm. people are getting to know you, like you, and trust you. Now you're going to add more and you're going to plan some events. Right. Create your own event. Create your own event. I would recommend once a quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some examples that somebody can use um, to, to have an event? Well, the, the easiest thing to do is pick major holidays mm. um, and just kind of do an event around there. Now, summer might be tough where you are, like here in Texas, because um, it's so hot. Not many people want to be outside. But we just did a Splash Bash event, and it was fantastic. Yeah. Got some people out there with some water guns and water balloons. We ran around the park. We did whatever, you know, we had, had a, such a, such a good time doing that, but you could also do Easter events, July 4th events. You could do Halloween, Christmas, Thanksgiving events, all sorts of things. Um, I mean, use chat GPT or just Google it. Um, you, there will be a ton of different events you can think of, yeah. um, that you could do in your neighborhood and just, and it may not be tied to something that I'm saying now, there might be something specific or local in your market, that you could do that's special to that area that you might be able to piggyback off of or just host your own event for. Certainly. And if you guys have questions on events or you want to get some ideas or like, for instance, uh, we, we do a photos with Santa mm-hmm. event. If you guys want a checklist for things like that, reach out. You know, yep. we'll, we'll, we'll be glad to provide you anything we can to help make your events a little bit easier for you to do. Um, we know that the less barriers there are to completing a thing, the more likely you are to do it. Right. So don't overthink it. If you have questions, reach out. We'll, we will be glad to assist you in getting your event kicked off. And once you've got these things nailed down, by now you've been consistent, right? Mm-hmm. Now you're four, five, six months into this objective, and chances are that you've got some business going, Yep. right? It may be a buy side business. It may be list side business. Typically, when you get a listing, and they're also going to be a buyer, mm-hmm. right? So you've got some business going on. Now you've got some income stream from your farm area, and now you should have a budget set aside for these mailers we just talked about. Yep. Yeah, so now is a fantastic time to really start thinking about upping your marketing game. And mailers are part of your marketing game. You could also start running Facebook ads, Google pay-per-click. You know, this is when you can really ramp up your attracting people to you that isn't necessarily your time spent. Because while I think I still think the most effective ways to actually uh, market it starts with prospecting, meaning you're door knocking, your circle prospecting, your open houses, 
these face-to-face and personal interactions are always going to have a higher value and make it easier to convert, but you can only do so much. There's only so many hours in the day. There's only so much time you can do. So once you start getting these sales and you can apply a budget towards marketing, now you can really ramp up your attraction in the area and maybe yeah, upload your list to Facebook and Google and retarget these people and things like that. And you know, use some of these more advanced marketing strategies that cost money, but now you have a budget to do that. Right, right. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and your circle prospecting, and now those phone calls mm-hmm. are easier. Yes. Right, because people know you, and mm-hmm. I like to just assume that they know who I am. Right. right. Hey, it's Jeremy with Smith Team. How mm-hmm. are you? Hey, Jeremy, how are you? You know, you could yes. tell if they either know you or they're maybe faking like they know you, right? <laughs> right. Because you're faking like you know them. Like, <laughs> it just happens, right? It makes the calls so much easier um, and, and much more fun. Yeah. And you guys, as we wrap up this series, I just want to reiterate how important it is to be consistent at this. Yes. All right. You've got to go into it with some faith, like believe in yourself, count on yourself. Like, this is all you, mm-hmm. right? Nobody can make you fail but you. Right. Nobody is going to say, hey, we don't like the way this person looks. Right. Right. Nobody's going to say we don't like the way this person talks. Of course, unless you talk rude, but they're not going to say they don't like your voice. Right. Right. They're not going to say they don't like the way you dress. Mm -hmm. Right. For the most part. So just get out there, like get out there, give it a shot. If you if you did this, all the things that we've recommended you do for six months, one year and you saw no results, I would be absolutely astounded astonished by that, right? There's just no way that you can put in all this work and not see results, right? Right now, if you're getting appointments and you're not converting on those appointments, there could be another issue there, Mm -hmm. but you will get attention. You will get appointments. People will get to know you like Mm -hmm. you trust you. Your business will absolutely grow by implementing the techniques and the practices that we've talked about in this series. But again, guys, be consistent. That's what builds trust be a, a regular human being. Don't worry about trying to be somebody else. Like right. just go out there, be yourself. People are going to know you like you, trust you for you. Kyle, do you have any last words for agents as we wrap up this session on dominating your farm area? You know, I I think, you know, we've hit on everything you really need to know here. And I think the only thing when we talk to agents, the number one indicator that they're going to succeed is their willingness to take action. Yeah, And it's really, it's an entrepreneurial mindset. I will get into the, the business, they don't realize how entrepreneurial being an agent is. It's not about the contracts while they're important. It's not about um, knowing all the real estate laws while that's important. It's really about being able to take action and prospect and get the business to you. And if you are taking action consistently, you will expose your weaknesses. That's great news. Yeah. Now you know what you need to work on. Just like Jeremy said, if you start doing all of these things and you're not converting anyone at the door, man, now you know you need to practice your scripts or get a better script or something that fits you better. Then once you start converting at the door and you get people to your open houses, but you're not getting business from that, well, great. Now you know you need to work on what you're doing at your open houses. And once you get that down, you move on and you move on and you keep fixing the problems until, yeah, 12 months later, all of a sudden you have this this business that is just moving along like your dreams. Yeah. You know, it's it's, it's your dream business at that point. Exactly. And you you have dream money in your bank account, right? And the, the key to that is just doing it, man. Yeah. Just doing it. Just Get out action. there. Don't overthink it. Take action. You know, we just had a training like we talked about when we opened up here. Mm-hmm. And the reality is, is that this market is rough. Mm-hmm. A lot of agents are getting out in the business. If you want to do the same amount of transactions you did last year or even hit your goals for this year, you're going to have to double your action. Yep. Right. So get out there take action, fail faster, mm-hmm. and learn from every single failure. Like don't allow 
it to hold you back, learn from it and learn from your wins too, right? Mm-hmm. Don't, don't think that there's not a, a learning lesson every time you win. You will get wins. Get out there, get after it. You guys, if you haven't subscribed to the How To Real Estate podcast, please do so now. This is episode 10. We're going to keep bringing you guys as much value as we possibly can. If there's a topic that you want discussed, reach out. We're more than willing to cater to what you need because the chances are if you have a question on it, somebody else does too. Mm-hmm. And the whole purpose of this podcast is to help agents grow in their business and be the 13% that succeeds at the highest levels possible. Yep. Thank you, guys. We'll see you on the next one. Peace. Bye.